0: A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong
1: with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's flagrant howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tykey.:
0: Yet to be wrong unless you uh, <laughs> go back and listen to any of our excited Rudy Gobert episodes talking about 50 wins, 55. What would their record have to be, Kyle,
1: now if they were to, to win 50 games? They'd probably have to play regular season games into September at this were, point just to of
0: 2025 just, yeah
1: just just to, just to they, how long is Tim Connolly signed for they'd have to keep playing regular season games to that no i think they're uh, we woke up today i think they're 16 and 21 okay. if i have That's that correct amazing.
0: okay so they need 34 more wins okay and then uh they they would need a what so they would get 11 more losses right cuz 50 yeah. and 32 so can this team go 34 <laughs> and 11 down the stretch to fulfill what
1: we wanted them to fulfill after uh i mean we're just going to get into it uh ap- i mean again apologies happy new year to everyone listening i know you and i took a week off i was uh, i was texting you every day between spending my entire christmas in various delta sky clubs oh. uh also you probably you probably saw on instagram i took my grandma to a strip club one night to play pull tabs i actually did not see that wow uh, Can you expand yeah, on shout that out the part? northern well so long story short but there's like I think just one legal gentleman's club in the state of North Dakota. And it's owned by my, my aunt and uncle. Oh. So, um, my, I was running my grandma around for errands. We got coffee and she hadn't been to a coffee shop since before COVID. And then she's like, we should go stop by your aunt's place. And we stopped by, took a picture. And then she's like, we should go in. And I'm just like, this is spiraling out of control. And before you Wait, know, so it, my, she hasn't been to a coffee shop since before COVID, but she's been to the strip club. about Yeah. Per, she's just times. checking on her daughters, on her daughters, you know, uh, entrepreneurship. So yeah, all of a sudden I'm like, it's the couple days after Christmas and I'm playing pull tabs with my grandma as she's drinking a sugarless Coke and there's activities going on all around. So I rode a horse last week. That was kind of fun. Wow. Um, you, so I, I got off of the Wolves for a week, but then we came, I came back and uh, pretty much got COVID and then tuned into Pistons Wolves. And it was the beauty of it was it was the perfect way to end 2022 for the Minnesota Timberwolves was to just lose to the worst team in the league. And then have all your New Year's plans kind of scrapped because you stayed in the locker room for an hour and everyone was yelling at each other. So
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's where Happy we, New Year. we pick up where we left off kind of over a week ago here on, on Flagrant Howls. And let's, let's, let's kind of start there. Yep. And, and by there, I mean uh, a deep dive <laughs> into uh, the strip club that you're on. No. <laughs> I think we should start with sort of a temperature of the room here. For the Timberwolves, because they've lost six straight, they blew an 18-point lead to the worst team in the NBA. They basically got run off the court by the bench of the worst team Mm -hmm. in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I get that the Wolves have been dealing with their own injury problems, but they still have enough talent on the floor to not blow an 18-point lead against the Pistons. But it led to a players-only meeting for like 45 minutes. Reporters had to wait until after all this to talk. And so I'm going to give you some quotes and some thoughts from players and from people that cover the team very closely over the last 48 hours. I'll start with one. You, you react however you want here. But let's start, let's start the show by taking the temperature of the room in the middle of, let's just be flat-out honest, they're five games under 500. they They've made an all-in trade to land Rudy Gobert. Uh, despite the injury issues, this has been, I think, one of the most disappointing seasons to this point. In the history of a disappointing franchise. Correct. I don't think it's hyperbole to to say that.
1: No, that is that is correct. Again, coming not only the expectations after that trade, but also to um, the Wolves have, and again, too, at 16 and 21, the Wolves have had way worse records uh, on January 1st or January 2nd than 16 and 21. But it's the problem of you had just rolled over bad expectations into bad, like just bad seasons into bad seasons. You're coming off of what was one of the most fun, enjoyable, you know, just pure seasons in Wolves franchise history with that playoff run against the Grizzlies. And then it just completely, the bottom has just completely dropped out.
0: Yeah. Well, let's start with, uh, this is just an excerpt from the John Krasinski athletic article uh, after the Pistons debacle. And there's many anecdotes you could pull from this, but I'm going to start with this one. He said, this team seems so much further away right now. The Wolves may have more collective talent than last year's team. But the thing that drove that team to overachieve was the fire in their eyes. That team wanted to fight. And I will say, literally and figuratively, that team wanted to fight. Figuratively, they felt like they could come back in games. They were always punching above their weight class. And literally, Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt and maybe some other guys wanted to fight during games, too. Uh, And Johnny K adds, that team had pride and will and all the intangibles you could ever want. And then he mentions again that this team has no fire in their eyes.
1: I, spot the lie, right? Like there is that is the truth. Um, you you watch. I mean, I don't. Where do I even start? You're on a five game losing streak, uh, a losing streak where you're down a bunch of guys, um, mostly against just far superior teams. I mean, the Bucks are really good. The Heat were, you know, whatever. But the Pelicans were really good. Um, the Celtics were really good. Like. That was a road trip that, you know, I'm not trying to make apologies, but you could be like, yeah, that's, they're going to lose these games. But then you get to come home, you get like home cooking, you get to be back in your own place. And you just have no fight against a team that just doesn't want to win. You watch enough of these games. The Pistons didn't care, but with young teams or bad teams, if you just give them enough of a crack in the door, at some point they'll bust through. And that's Mm -hmm. what they did. I mean, they got, Their start the Wolves starters got outplayed by the Pistons, really talent like really high scoring second unit. But that's just that's why this is the the lowest moment of the season. Um, throughout all those six games that they've lost, they had like 10 point leads at some point in the game. So, like, the ability to do it is there, but it's just no fight, no like no you know, perseverance, and just none of those key words that you use in corporate America to be like, Hey, can we can we fight through this? This is a little adversity. Just completely, completely folded. Um, and they had Kyle Anderson back. They had Rudy Gobert back. I mean, those guys were questionable coming into the game. Yeah. And after taking a really weird, hard fall against the Bucks, he plays like just no, no backbone, no spine, no anything, no leadership, right? Just nothing yeah. on the court that says, hey, we need to, we're bleeding. Can we stop the bleeding? There's none of that.
0: It's weird' it's like, it's like there's no and they, they take these leads sometimes. They'll take double-digit leads. This has been a theme, even going back to different iterations of the Timberwolves. And I, that's what doesn't make sense to me, because the Kevin Love Ricky Rubio teams would do this oftentimes too, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, where they mm-hmm. would they'd be analytically sound in some cases. They would actually have good, you know, plus- minus net ratings relative to other teams, and they would regularly take 10, 12, 20-point leads. And then it would just be a different story in the fourth quarter, or they would give up a a 25-point swing in the third quarter or something. And so this has been a, a weird organizational thing for most years, going back to the day that Kevin Garnett walked out the door, except for when Jimmy Butler was here, and except for when Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt was here. And outside of that, they've just had a bunch of, young, talented centerpieces that don't have necessarily the killer instinct. Andrew Wiggins, Kevin Love at the time, 10 years ago, Carl Anthony Towns, um, even D'Angelo Russell, like talented player. But if you're ranking players in the NBA based on perceived killer instinct, how far down the line would you have to go before you get to a Timberwolf period on this team? Take every player in the league, killer instinct. I mean... Kill, Anthony Edwards is probably the first one that you would rank, and I don't know if you'd get to him in the first 15 or 20.
1: Killer instinct is a really good way to put it. So when I wasn't at the Northern last week or riding a horse, like I was watching these games with my dad, which is always an experience to watch Minnesota sports with, you know, someone whose generation's just older and has gone through this more. Um, but he kind of put it in a fun way too, because it's not just about this team, and you just highlighted that. It's been an org- organizational kind of culture since KG left. And the way my dad put it was like the, the Minnesota Timberwolves live paycheck to paycheck. They don't, they don't invest. And by that he just meant like the wolves can get these big leads. They put all that time and effort into, you know, building this lead. And like, if I was working hard on something, I would want to keep investing, like keep working hard. Like I've look at how far I've come to get this 12 point lead. I want to, you know, crash the crash, the boards. I want to dig in on defense. They don't do that. They just like, oh, we got twelve point lead. Nah, whatever. We can take a couple plays off. We can have a turnover. We can do this. We can get another twelve point lead. We can get another paycheck. Yeah. It's like no, 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 no. Like that's not what good teams do. Like you worked. You watched that Pistons game in that first half. They played really good basketball for for stretches. I mean, they were up, I think, eighteen in the first quarter. They were. That I. This would be like a really good project for a college student. But like, I wonder if the Minnesota Timberwolves over the last fifteen years have had like if they've been one of the top five teams in like first quarter point differential I because know. they they do come out yes. and can really blow your socks off and look good and move the ball and it's like okay we did all that but yeah now let's just get lazy now let's just not try on defense now let's just do all these things it's like i don't know maybe there's just no one on that team has anxiety like me but like, i would be anxious to be like i worked this hard to get to this point you know like i i did chest for two months i'm not just going to start injecting myself with pizzas and cake like i want to keep building off of what I did and the factor in you're on a losing streak you're at home you're trying to kind of change the mindset and they just don't have the killer instinct thing has been something a a phrase not many people have used with this team but I'm so with you I don't know I don't think you can have much of a killer instinct too when you're young that's not to give excuses but I just think ants like well I can I can get another lead it's like yeah but you can't because these are adults these are these guys too have families and have paychecks and like make money like they Yeah, You give you give like Alec Burks, who has been around the league for a long time, a chance to win a basketball game and get hot, which is what they did in the third and fourth quarter. And he's going to nuke you. Alec Burks, Bogdanovich, like they just saw that crack in the door and just busted that shit right open. And that's why, again, you just failed to have any sort of perseverance or any sort of like just kind of, I don't know, any sort of way to try to fix what is something that was easily fixable on Saturday and you just didn't want to do it. And there's 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 more
0: here in terms of like temperature of the room quotes. But just to stay on this for a second, I would feel a lot better about this whole thing. I I wouldn't feel great about it under any circumstance, just like with a 16 and 21 record here. But I would feel a lot better if I knew that, hey, in about like three weeks or so or a month, you're going to get that dude back. You're going to get that killer instinct guy back. The centerpiece of the franchise that puts a stop to all this BS and then everything's going to fall into place. I don't necessarily believe that that's who Carl Anthony Towns is. I think he's the most talented player on your team. I think he's going to help, but I don't think, I don't think you're, it's not like you're bringing 2002 Kevin Garnett back to the room here. Okay, guys. Well, thank God our compass is coming back to set everything straight. He's still trying to figure out who he is and how he fits into all of this going forward too. So I don't think it's as easy as saying, all right, this is, this is rough. But once Carl Anthony Towns comes back, then everything kind of fixes itself.
1: True, I though will not look back at the month of December, and I just don't. I don't have the ability to throw shade at Carl after what I've seen from other guys. I don't. Conley Towns has at least done some shit with this team. Uh, I watched Rudy Gobert get outplayed by a G League guy in the Miami Heat. No, I don't I remember. remember. I don't remember seeing Conley Towns get outdueled by like. A creative player who is all fifty fives in his in his <laughs> little bars, right? Like we and we can talk about all this stuff. I, I don't think there's anyone that's blameless on January 2nd. I mean that that's the beauty of this now is that you hit rock bottom. The best part of hitting rock bottom is that there probably isn't much of a lower place to go. The wolves could find one for sure, but they always I mean, can. This, there's this, always this, another trapdoor. I mean, this <laughs> is ant ant is to blame. Um, you know, D Lo is to blame, Rudy Gobert is to blame. Um, again, so I I I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to kind of clap back at what you're saying because again it's not it's not you're not bringing back um a Steph Curry or like a John Moran you're not bringing back these guys that have shown you a killer instinct that is one thing Carl has not shown he's been a good teammate he's been a good you know member of the community a good franchise player but he's never had that killer instinct so I'll grant you that but I also watched this team for five weeks and some of their inabilities um and I know that watching Carl play center has been more enjoyable for me at times than watching Rudy, I mean, I, Rudy Gobert has had a tough couple of weeks in my mind because he hasn't really given you anything. And then you also wonder too, behind the scenes, do people just like being on the bus with him?
0: Yeah. Let's, uh, and let's put a pin in that and circle back if you will, because there's a whole Rudy Gobert conversation here that needs to take place. Correct. Austin rivers during shoot around this morning was asked about the team meeting, the 40, 45 minute team meeting. And just what does this team now need to carry forward here, starting with the Nuggets? Quote, there's nothing more that can be said. Everything that's been said can possibly be said. I don't want anybody thinking out there that we're like coming in here and no one's talking. We've had enough team meetings, player meetings, film. This isn't rocket science. And then I will add Nas Reed was asked um, by Britt Robson here. If, if it's legitimately a mystery as to why the Wolves are underachieving. it's like, I mean, you guys know? Well, he basically said... Elite it, question. What's going on? And Nasreed said, not really. It's not really a mystery. We know. We know. We know why. And, you know, I'm going to keep... I'm going to kind of keep that in-house. But we know why. That's why I said before, I feel like we can change this. We know we can change it. So we just got to buy into the things that we know How's that for a cryptic answer? What, what, I, a, a what's your shameless speculation plug here, here?
1: A shameless plug, but so uh, the beat reporters, that cover the team on a nightly basis. Uh, Dane Moore had Chris Hine on his podcast today, and they played the actual audio from that. And as they talked about in the podcast, like listening to audio of a quote is always better than reading the text because you actually get the context. And Nas sounded fairly uplifting and being like this was – my biggest thing about that Pistons game was it would have been terrible if they won it. It would have been absolutely terrible. They were down. They came back in the fourth. They're down six. If they would have pulled that off, I think that would have been a much worse scenario than actually losing it because they would have just been like, see, we did it. The whole living paycheck by che- paycheck. We, yeah, it's, fine. We, it's lead, fine. we got another lead. We won the game, whatever. Let's go wait until the last minute on your final or whatever. I wrote yep. the paper. Got a yeah, exactly. Clause, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> exactly. So losing that game was great. And I think it forced them to have. You know, granted, this is really stupid, 37 games in or whatever, but they finally, it sounds like, had the conversation behind closed doors that they had at, like, I don't know, Cove and Wyzetta last year with Patrick Beverly when he was, like, going around the room saying, say your name, your favorite color, and what your role is on this team. Mm-hmm. They never had this with this team because, as you and I have said, for four months now, they didn't have leadership. Yeah. So it sounds like they finally closed the door and said, what's your role? Like, what's your problem? Um, and it sounded like it was that whole players-only meeting was more positive than just like guys trying to scrap, but it was necessary because this team, I mean, where do you want to start, man? Like this team's best center right now is the guy that's probably going to be either traded or leave via free agency and was undrafted. Like Nas Reed's just been better than Rudy Gobert. Um This team's best player. Now, Anthony Edwards still has moments where he takes plays off and stuff, but also too, when he's doing everything he can, he looks to the left and right of him and like, Where's Jalen Noel been? Why hasn't Jaden McDaniels been able to rebound more than two rebounds a game? Like everyone on this team and then the the guys that should be leaders, Austin Rivers, like you, you can scoff at his quotes, the one that you just said. But I think Austin's trying to be real with you, man. He's a he's a lifelong hooper like his his dad's Doc Rivers. He's been through this before. He's not trying to sugarcoat it. Austin, if you ever get a chance to talk to Austin Rivers, he is not going to BS you. He's going to tell it to you like it is. And I think he's being like, hey, we needed this. We needed to, you know, we keep fighting. We still come in here in the morning. We come in here early. We, we stay late. So uh, I thought those were really good quotes. But the Nas Reed quote is really, really fascinating because when he says things like we know what's wrong, we, we know who is wrong. See, that's um,
0: I want to I drill down on this for a second because <laughs> I, I,
1: this, is, this is what's interesting to me. When,
0: when Nas Reed says, I'm going to kind of keep that in-house – To me, that goes beyond because you and I can sit here just as anyone could and say, well, I mean, what are the problems with this team? Well, they can't rebound despite the fact that they traded a boatload for Mm -hmm. the best rebounder in the NBA. They still can't rebound. They aren't a great three-point shooting team, and they're among the league leaders in turnovers and personal fouls. Like, I could sit here and say, okay, uh, all right, guys, got to grab some more rebounds. Got to get some more uh, open look threes to go down. And then we got to stop dribbling the ball off our foot out of bounds. Oh, and stop hacking opposing players. Like, yep. Those are things that you wouldn't keep it. If, if, if you knew as a team, hey, if we can just rebound better and stop turning the ball over, we're going to have more wins. They would just say it. And they right. have said that stuff. But to go the extra step and say, we know what's wrong. But it's not something that I or we are going to talk about publicly is interesting to me because it it tells me that it goes because if Nasri was asked that question and they just had a 45-minute conversation about rebounding. <laughs> right, right. He would have said, we got to do better rebounding the basketball, but he didn't. He said, I'm going to keep that in-house. And that's where I wonder if there's some personal interpersonal leadership i mean there clearly are dynamics like that at work behind the scenes here and i mean i would only be speculating on the specifics i have theories i don't know that rudy
1: gobert and his teammates and, love each other but and like, i don't again i i want to chris and Dane did a really good job because they were there they had to wait around for an hour to get into the locker room yeah um I don't think they know fully either yet either. And that's why, you know, there was a shoot around Monday morning. They played a night against in the Tim Connolly Bowl against the first place Denver Nuggets. Um, he was it, sent. He was sent as a surrogate, a spy. He's being I, paid by
0: both organizations
1: to listen, sabotage man, if, the Timberwolves. If you told me Tim Connolly was a sleeper cell for the Denver Nuggets, I'm not going to push <laughs> back at you. He uh, so. And, you know, they talked about too how Rudy also, I think, maybe spoke with the media in the locker room after that. and was again, Rudy and Kyle older guys players only meetings happen all the time it's not actually like the red flag you think it is it might actually be beneficial but they've been through enough where they just kind of like yeah you know whatever things were said Nas actually shined a lot more light onto like yes it was a players only meeting yes we cleared the air on things but it didn't sound like guys were you know f-bombing each other and that type of stuff but i it does make you wonder like what do you think some of just off the top what do you think some of the things were said because i think Someone had to have said something to Rudy about just his demeanor on the court. His, yeah. his you know, calling for the ball. Something he has really bad body language at times. Um, something was probably said to D'Lo about just—he's super casual, man. He's in, in, super in the last casual. week again. I'm everyone's to blame at this point. The only one who's to me, this is another topic for when we get closer to the February 9th trade deadline. The only guy on this team that's untradeable is D'Angelo or is Anthony Edwards. Everyone else can be at least. We can pick up the phone and talk about it. But like the Delo stuff, he's had since we last recorded, he's had like three viral moments where he boxes a guy out and doesn't jump for the rebound. Mm-hmm. It's like really, really, like he had a game the other night where he didn't have a rebound, and that's one of the biggest issues on the team. Is like, dude, you didn't get one rebound in thirty-five mm-hmm. minutes of playing. Um, I bet you something was said to Ant. Like, hey, you get too ISO heavy sometimes, like include your teammates more. Like, I do wonder, and that we're only 36 hours removed from it, but I do wonder if stuff will start to come out because if they beat the Nuggets tonight, that is to me really, really promising. Like, that's the first team in the West. Like, if you come home now, you're still banged up and you beat the top team in the West, maybe you did clear the air on Saturday. If you get pummeled by the Nuggets tonight, that stuff's going to start to leak out. And it's going to be even more entertaining moving forward to see what was actually said behind closed doors. It almost has to start leaking out because now we're getting to the point oh, yeah. now
0: where oh, yeah. whether it's Chris Finch or Tim Connolly or even like Rudy Gobert from an ego perspective. There's a lot of there's a lot of careers at stake here. I mean, Chris, mm-hmm. Chris Finch and this let me let me get to this one here as we keep going through the the temperature of the the room here. Dane Moore, who you mentioned, and by the way, you're, on, you're, you're helping with Dane's podcast, and you're a, a regular on that show once a week. People should definitely check that out if they aren't already. Dane Moore's NBA podcast. Um, he tweeted this morning, or maybe this was yesterday, every conversation I've had oh, with yeah. people in the Wolves organization since the day they hired Tim Connolly is that they've committed to a long-term vision with Rudy Gobert and Chris Finch, which is to say is I get many questions that I'd be shocked if they make a big change anytime soon. But the more games you lose, you can't just like, it's not like a video game where you can just reset the season and just shuffle the roster or make some crazy trade again or something. At some point, something has to give, right? And it's it's going to be easier to change out Chris Finch than to try and like, oh, uh, I guess this isn't working. Let's try and recoup 75 cents on the dollar for Rudy Gobert, You can't even explore a Carl Anthony Towns trade for assets until the summer anyways. So if there's going to be an in season change, it would be Chris Finch. And if I'm Chris Finch and I know that I'm like a game or two, like if they get smoked tonight, I'm not guaranteed a job in a week from now. Right. I might want some of this stuff out there guys. I know what I'm doing. DLO is sabotaging us. Right. So I just wonder at some point you're, you're right. If, if they lose again and again, this thing could get even uglier
1: and start to spill out. And then guys go into business for themselves. So to speak again, I I apologize for us taking a week off. Uh, I know it corresponded with just five or six straight losses, but my shameless plug for this pod would be, if you think the Timberwolves are bad, you're right. If you think the Timberwolves aren't entertaining or exciting, you're wrong. (laughs) This is going to be quite possibly the most exciting next six months in recent history, because what else do you want to like? What else do you want to throw onto that fire? Um, they're starting to call around about up or you know, renewing your season tickets, right? So for 2023, 2024. Are they gonna timing. raise the Not prices? Great timing on that. <laughs> um <laughs> Jeff well, Munichy, we love you, but let's uh let's right? wait a week. Also, thing. too, shout out I know it was reported by the Athletic, but our guy, you know, Darren Wolfson had it first. We were I was texting Doogie over the weekend, like that that uh ownership kind of memorandum or whatever of we're going to keep paying like that was due Saturday night the end of 2022 sounds like Glenn is moving forward with Mark and Alex but like Mark Mark Laurie as I as I tweeted out the other day he didn't sell all those diapers for this shit he didn't do all this stuff and pay all these people he gave all the coaches extensions he gave Tim Connolly essentially a small sliver of the pie like he's not going to watch his team go 20 and 62 yeah um the trade deadline is earlier this year it's February 9th I don't know, man. I'm not even saying what I would do, but I would be shocked. I will eat like mushrooms, which I hate on February 10th. If D'Angelo Russell's on the team, I just believe that at some point, even if you start to straighten this out a little bit, you have to immediately, I mean, dude, there is so much transactional blood on Tim Connolly's hands. That guy walks into target center tonight and sees his former employers first in the Western conference with all these fun, young pieces and he looks at his roster and is like what did i do and he's he's not going anywhere you don't fire a guy that you signed to a four year 40 million dollar no. deal if if he broke it he will get a chance to fix it, it right? and we said that yeah like he has what tim Connolly, before he's ever removed unless it's like scandalized which who would ever think that would happen <laughs> he has one more massive Woj bomb breaking news blockbuster trade in him because that's what you, you get two of them in that mm-hmm. position you get to make the mistake and then try to fix it But, I mean, yeah, dude, we might be the last month of D'Angelo Russell. We might be the last couple weeks of Chris Finch. We might be, you know, the last couple months of Rudy Gobert. Like, anything is possible now because you – I don't really know. And, of course, my tune has changed on this a little bit. I'm sure yours as well. Like, I don't really know if you simulated this 100 times. The only worst simulation for me would be if Ant would have had a season-ending injury. That's, like, the only – that would be, like, the last – worst case like plan like you know whatever this has gone about as bad as it can go not only because you're not winning not only because there's schisms not only because you lost carl and rudy hasn't looked that great and it's been wonky but also too you look across the street and like walker kessler is really good (laughs) well that's the thing and he's doing it he's he's doing it in the minutes
0: doses that you would prefer from a player of of that caliber right inside like you don't you don't necessarily need to play the shot blocking, rebounding, no offense center 35 minutes a night in today's NBA, right? Right. And he's he's giving you if you just compare his his stats across 36 minutes to Rudy
1: Gobert, Walker
0: Kessler has actually been a better player this season by most measurements what, than Rudy Gobert has
1: been. More efficient, not calling for the ball, no dream shakes, you know, more blocks on the court, less blocks on Twitter, all that stuff than Rudy, like <laughs> you just and then you know you it's it's funny too because if you could just redo that trade, forget the picks all, you would get a rim protector and Walker Kessler, you would get an energy chemistry guy in Jared Vanderbilt. And then you would get a volume three point shooter, which is what this team now like doesn't have any shooting outside of maybe Ant and a little D Um, It's just been a hurt. I mean, again, I still believe in Chris Finch. Uh, as long as Anthony Edwards is on the payroll, I believe that there's hope for this franchise, but I don't know what you can say about Tim Conley who, I was talking about this with Dane, like, remember when Flip Saunders did Friday, like K fan hits every week, he was the yeah. president of the team, like, sometimes he was a little too, like, open and transparent, God rest his soul, but he at least, one thing I always remember about that, and I was like a younger Wolves fan, was like, when things were bad, he would show up and talk about it, um, and, you know, not everyone's style, That Sam Presti's not doing weekly, you know, sp- or spaces on Twitter, But I I think it's this is really bad, man. And now you're looking at business stuff, too. Again, you're trying to get new tickets. You're trying to like straighten this thing out long term, figure this out. And you just had a rock bottom moment the last day of 2022, a year that should have gone down as like one of the most exciting calendar years for this Mm -hmm. franchise. And you somehow found the creative way to nuke all those good vibes from March and April of
0: 2022. It's uh, yeah, the the transactional blood on his hands is is a great way to put it. And I listen, I'll be the first to raise. At least you had some doubts about the Gobert thing right off the bat, and then I maybe I I stayed in Mexico. Convince you, yeah. (laughs) And and I and again, I I still want to see everything play out. I just I I I don't know what to think here. I guess long term, because it's I'm going to get to some Rudy Gobert. Uh, trends the last three years that just are puzzling mm-hmm. in a second here, but I think when I think back to the deadline, I gave Connolly the benefit of the doubt because of a what he helped build in Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, well, a B and C, a what he helped build in Denver, B how other people around the league raved about him as the leader of a front office, and C. The cojones it takes to walk in the door and three minutes later you survey the landscape, you look at your watch, and you survey the landscape and you say, We're gonna we're gonna literally just crack this thing wide open, trade away half the assets, bring in Rudy Gobert. This is the right thing confidently. This is the right thing to do for the franchise. There was no pressure on him to make any massive changes until the summer of 2023. They could have ran it back, just bank on the improvement of Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels and Jalen Noel compete for, you know, 45, 50 wins again. And nobody would have been like, Oh, what are you doing? Why didn't you make a big splash? Let the DLO contract come off the books. Right? So it was an easy path for him to do almost nothing in his first year, survey the landscape, and then get into the summer of 2023. And he confidently with credibility, on his resume said, no, this is the move that needs to be done. In fact, it would be a risk if we didn't do something like this. And so when you come in that confident and make a move like that, I was in my mind it was like, oh, all right, yeah, I mean, this dude, wow. There's The only reason he would do this is if he sees something that most people do not. And if it happens to be that he just made a ridiculously dumb generationally like a Herschel Walker level trade, five minutes walking into the building for no reason, it would be one of the most unimaginable front office higher whiffs in maybe the history of the NBA, so, quite frankly. So but I okay. don't know that we're there yet, I but know.
1: I just like that's where I was on, you know, July fourth. I how much how much time we got? We're I good. would like to, I would like to put a pin in that for later and well as today because When we started this podcast, I had just come off of going to like Summer League in Vegas. Right. And I spent I said this when we did like our second pod, I spent a lot of time like hanging out with the people that cover the Nuggets and the Tim Connolly stuff was like, you know, six weeks old or whatever. But they said a lot of the same things that you just said. This dude is awesome. He is great at his job. He is beloved across the league. Mm -hmm. And he built this Denver thing. None of that's changed. None of that will like it's still on his resume. But they also kind of said too, like in their interactions with him, I mean, think about this from you and I think about this, if you're listening, if you just like had to bust your ass and you were making X, whatever, and you, you know, was, you didn't have a lot of room for air and you had to keep working every day and stuff. And then someone just gives you 10 (laughs) X, right? Are you going to be as fiscally responsible? Are you going to be as like driven or are you going to be as attention to detail? Because it's like, well, dude, I have 10 X now, like I would probably just buy more Wagyu beef than I do now, which is not a lot. So you
0: think because he was a made man after signing that contract, that it essentially like loosened the reins and it was like a huge exhale for it. Well, I never really have to prove anything the rest of my
1: career. So let's take a wild risk. Wouldn't that, seriously though, doesn't that almost have to, shouldn't that be what he says? Because the other version is like, no, what you just said, no, this was the all in move that I believed in. I, I don't think all is lost for the Minnesota Timberwolves because I still think you have players and players are what teams really do want. They don't really always want the picks. The teams with all the picks right now are still questionable at best. OKC, you know, Utah, those teams their future is still very much TBD. Yeah. But the teams with all the good players, those teams are are made. Those teams are minted. And if you really thought this what like you were like, "No, I'm going to keep working harder. Yeah, I might make 10 million a year. I might, you know, own a fifth of the court, but th- I'm going to work even harder." And you did this move, then it looks even worse for you than if you're like, you know what? I just kind of got here. I get all this money. Like, we, we, I, I, I don't know, man. That, that man is like, have, having spoke to him rarely, I don't know how you don't look at that guy. He's not going to be the first fall guy. He's not going to be the second fall guy. But what, what has he done? What has he done so far that's, like, anything you can be like, well, at least he did that, right? Like, your rookies don't play. Well, he correctly identified Walker Kessler as a good player in the <laughs> right, draft. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And it sucks, too, because I remember talking to people <laughs> that were like, wow, Finch is pretty hyped about that. Like, guys are really excited about Walker Kessler. And you just, you just blew it up all, especially like you just said, you could have just walked in for a year and been like, hey, remember the playoffs? Let's just run it back for a year. And you didn't. And now you're in a situation where, and that's why I'm, I keep bringing this up about, like, Where is he? Is he gonna do a scoop podcast with Doogie? Is he gonna like? Where's? I'll I'll tell you that there
0: have been there have been there have been media requests. I mean, hell, I'll just say it. Doogie put this out on Twitter the other day. Doogie actually requested him in like late November to do an interview for Channel Five TV and the Scoop podcast. Um, he didn't hear back from the organization for like a week, and then it was a no. And so I don't know if the organization is just, like, not wanting to run him out there or if he just doesn't want to do media. But it is, like, when you come off of, like, you know, Flip Saunders kind of set the – and I get, not everyone's going to be Flip Saunders. Right. But for for the better part of, you know, 15, 20 years off and on, he set this example for Timberwolves fans and media that, hey, good or bad, I'm here, man. I'll answer questions. I am very fan-friendly. I will explain what's going on. And the Wolves are sitting here, and it's – one of the bigger basketball crises they've had in organizational history so far, I mean, it is, well, but and he's not front and center sort of answering questions. Yeah. It, it is, it is frustrating but, for fans. And this is,
1: I don't even like doing this. Like, I, I really don't like, I don't really like, cause I, I will say this, I'm not calling for Tim Connolly's job. I am just saying, yeah, you've been here for six months, seven months. And like this, you have, broken a lot of things that had taken time for us to build. And I say us too, because it includes the fan base and Detroit. That Pistons game is a rock bottom moment. I am not expecting Tim Connolly again to do like a Twitter spaces with me and you, but it would be, we would do it if you
0: wanted. By to. the way, I have not put in a request for Tim Connolly yet. We did get him on Mackie and Judd before the season. He
1: was wonderful. Yeah. And he, by and all accounts, is, like I, I like, we haven't been like rejected or anything by Tim. Connelly, but so. but someone, I guess, you know, I don't know, dude, you've been, you'd covered the twins for all those years. Like you are kind of my, my mentor in some of this stuff. Like you've done this long enough after that Pistons game. I know it's a holiday, but Mark Laurie doesn't take his shoes off anymore. Courtside. I don't think Glenn was in his seats, right? Like where a Rods hasn't posted as many Timberwolves polo shirts, uh, posts on IG smoking cigars. Like it does seem like this team has hit a bit of adversity and a bit of, oh, this is actually not. This is the, the negative side of how fun the, the playoff run was. This is kind of some of the bad stuff. Who is out there like being accountable? Who is out there being like, listen, this is, you know, Jerry Jones, when the Cowboys get pummeled on national TV, goes and meets with the media after, right? And Jerry's yeah. a crazy person, but at least he's like, we're going to fix this. We're going to do this. There is like, it is so much easier to be a fan of a team or, you know, be an owner of a team or a GM of a team when you're winning games. But part of the job is when it sucks. Part of the job of working in a company is when the stock price goes down. And there has been no accountability. And I feel because one of the things that you and I are connected with a lot is like Wolves Twitter. And it's the fan base has probably never been more toxic than it is now. It was it is far more toxic now than it was during the Jimmy Butler stuff. And no one knows what the answer. It would be one thing if you could just say, Hey, okay, here's the
0: thing that you need to do. There's been times in Minnesota sports where the Vikings just need a quarterback. Okay, <laughs> right, right, right. And everyone, you know, like the '08 team. Boy, they got smoked in the playoffs at home by the Eagles. What's the direction of the franchise? And everyone's like, "Just go get Brett Favre." All right, now we're back. Like, if you if you pulled a thousand Timberwolves fans and said, "What's the thing that needs to happen for this thing to get back on track?" I think you get a thousand different answers or five hundred exactly, different answers. Exactly. exactly. And I don't know that the front office or the coaching staff, Nas Reed knows. Nas Reed said cryptically, we know. We know what the problem is. But it's, it's I, I wish it were as easy as, boy, if they could just do this, then they would get to this level. Do you think, before we get to some Gobert stuff here, specifically you know, Gobert, um, do you think Tim Connolly wakes up in the morning after that Pistons game and regrets making the
1: Gobert trade? Deep in his soul not oh god you really put my no not yet i don't think he does and this is complete speculation but i don't think he does because i i again we're friends with dane but dane is about as plugged as in it gets with the team like i really believe they want to see this thing out more i mean as pissed off as we are we're only like we're less than 45 percent of the way through an nba season right like there's A lot of games this season as well as still 350 more under Rudy Gobert's current contract but it just comes back to like you got a guy who was so successful in his last stint and even like you go back to those Nuggets days like when the Michael Porter Jr. contract was signed it was automatically a terrible contract and he never really stayed healthy and is kind of playing better but there was just all these pitfalls that Tim Connolly experienced in Denver and he still found ways time after time to reinvent his roster reinvent himself yeah i i I do wonder like what they're on a six game losing streak they're only one and a half point underdogs against the nuggets tonight that is mind-blowing to me um they could just win it and we could we could kind of see the car or the ship straightened a little bit if they lose 10 straight games like let's just say that we talk in a week and they have now lost 10 straight games someone won't be on the team like that's just that's how the nba works you do panic Mm -hmm. every once in a while even if you're trying to promote this is a long experiment. This is a long run. We're in this for the long haul. We signed our coaches and our president to a long haul. Yeah, that's cool. But like you can't lose 12 straight games in the NBA and not have some sort of panic move. And that's where it comes into do you trade Delo? Do you fire Finch? Um, I don't know. But I, I just, I do know that I still, if you want my opinion, I believe in Tim Connolly, um, partly because I have no choice. But I also know that that man was re- was revered in Denver and did so many good things. And I want to see what his next move is. But in the same side, like you have a broken roster, a broken fan base. Um, the expectations for you were low coming in. You could have done the Tibbs thing and just played it out for a year. And I know everyone hates the food analogies, but seeing what ingredients you had in the kitchen and that dude just completely nuked the kitchen and said, no, we're going to build, I don't know, another office. He was, and, he was not interested at all in inspecting the kitchen. Yeah, no, he, no, he did not inspect the kitchen at all. He just yeah. went right to the bedroom. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But there is, I think you really summed it up well, where you said if you polled 1,000 fans, what would be the fix to this? I think you get 500 different answers at least. Yeah, And they don't, you know, when my flights got canceled, Phil, last week for Delta, at least I knew who to contact. You click the <laughs> message me button. The Timberwolves have no message me button. Who, who, who is going to come out and do the, you know, a lot of this blame goes on me. And that was the one thing about the Tim Conley stuff too, is when he was like, I don't know, it was earlier quotes in 2022. He's like, yeah, you know, I just, I have all these really smart people around me that all the success goes to them. I'm just kind of here. No, no, no. You make $10 million. <laughs> you make more money than Jalen Noel, Nas Reed and Jay yeah. McDaniels combined. No, no, you're no. The guy. You're, you're the guy. Like you, you might own a part of this franchise. Like that's great that you're being a great, you know, all my employees are, who really build this thing up, but it's like, okay, but when it falls on its face, it's on you. And it has fallen on its face. And again, kind of echoes from in at Mayo Clinic.
0: Well, the good news for the Timberwolves is they have a great guiding hand because federated has been (laughs) a partner of the Timberwolves for a number of years, just like they are a partner of us here at score North on flagrant Howls over on purple daily and Mackie and Judd Uh, federated mutual insurance company has been around for over a hundred years as a great guiding hand to help you maximize the success of your business through risk management tools and resources. You can find a full list of industries Federated specializes in at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Um, I found this interesting regarding Rudy Gobert, and maybe we can do a deeper dive on this later in the week on another episode. But last season with the Utah Jazz – The Jazz were seven points better per 100 possessions with Rudy on the court. So just Rudy on, Rudy off. The Jazz were seven points better per 100 possessions with Rudy on the court versus off the court. Two years ago, the Jazz were 19 points better per 100 possessions with Rudy on the court versus off the court. This season with the Timberwolves, they are five points worse per 100 possessions with Rudy on the court versus off the court. So one thing that bothers me is all these people like, see, it's uh, it's the same guy that he's always been. Well, either, okay, let's say that's the case. If he's the same guy he's always been, and you're using that as like a negative dig toward Rudy Gobert, then how much worse are the pieces around him compared to the pieces around him with Utah, which I don't know if i buy that. So it's either that, either like, wow, okay, well, uh, he's the common denominator, and all these pieces around him are such a train wreck that no matter what combinations are out there, it's just bad or terrible. Like, there's no good option, and I don't buy that. Or he is a different player in a bad way because of age, injury, chemistry, you know, whatever, whatever that pie chart might look like. What do you make of this? That a year ago with the Jazz, seven points better per one hundred with him on the court. Two years ago, nineteen points better when he's on the court per one hundred.
1: And this year, they've been better off with him on the bench. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend to say that I watched every Utah Jazz game the last couple of years. But in the summer after this deal was made, like you can go pull up a league pass, like historical games. So I have watched like twenty games over the last couple of years. And this was always my thing, whether it be the Eurobasket stuff that happened this summer or seeing him, you know, in Vegas and he had like ice packs around his knees, something that someone said, this is kind of a common thing for him. He doesn't, dude, he's not the same guy. He doesn't look like the same guy. There are, I mean, the, the, the Godzilla nicknames was, he was a bleeping force at times, whether it be blocking shots or just being physical or getting certain rebounds that were. I mean, again, he, it's not like he's not getting you rebounds, right? Like the rebounding problem really isn't a Rudy thing, but there's just, he was a dominant player. It's why he made all-star games. It's why he made, I mean, yeah, people criticized, the, some analytics people didn't like him, some really loved him, but he was all NBA, all-star, all this stuff, because he was dominant. And he didn't have, in my mind, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, even at his peak in Utah was like, we're not even going to get into it today, Phil, that's how, pissed off and how many other issues we have to iron out. But like the yeah. Anthony Edwards leap has happened. Go look at his December numbers. Yep. He was that Anthony Edwards. If his team had seven more wins, probably is one of the 12 all-stars this year. Yeah. And it's a, not,
0: it's, it's not a garbage time. And there's been some no, garbage no, no. time games, but it's like, he's, he's legitimately with cat gone. He has legitimately stepped into, all right, right, I'm the dude, I need to get us going early and often.
1: Yes. Like a career high in rebounds in December. I believe like b- being, Also, just showing things again that this team doesn't have like toughness. When Anthony Edwards was laying upside down on the court in Milwaukee, he could have just been like, yo, I'm done for the night. But he somehow toughed it back out, went out there and kept playing. The Milwaukee fans booed. That was wild for another day. But he he has given you everything you want from a franchise player in December. Um, So I don't believe that the teammates around Rudy are less talented. Yes, they're missing still three rotation players, but he just hasn't been the same guy. Yeah. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you hack your lungs up I'm here. and hacking them my lungs now to... out now as I ingest COVID, <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it just, he hasn't been the right guy. And that goes back. I always remember this. Like, I think it was a Bill Belichick quote, but something about just trading a guy a year too early than a year too late. That's like one of the best transactional things you can do in sports is like get rid of a guy a year too early. Yeah. He might some egg on your face for one year, but then he falls off rather than, having an asset and it decreases by 30% and then trying to move them. I hope that there's just something with Rudy that he still hasn't completely regained his health or whatever, because that goes back to Tim Connolly as well. It's like, did you not only overpay, but did you get an asset that wasn't even a hundred percent anymore? You got like, did you over, did you pay a dollar 50 for a 90 cent asset? because yeah. I thought you paid a dollar 50 for a dollar asset. But if you paid a dollar 50 for 90 cents, 80 cents, I mean what else I mean again, I'm not calling for his job, but what else can you say that's like, "Yo, you really butchered this." And I don't think you get to wait till your pick swaps in 2027 to kind of fix it. Yeah. You are on the clock now to try to get this resolved. And it won't it they're not going to fix the entire roster in the next 5 weeks, but you probably have a clock of about a year because we have more ownership payments coming in March should be fully in control of Mark and Alex by the end of December. Um, this thing is going to keep moving. And if Rudy Gobert is leading the 25 and 52 Timberwolves in 2024, and then Mark Laurie's like, Hey, does anyone want to pay for a stadium? Good luck, buddy. You know, here's one theory. We can do a deeper dive on this
0: soon, but we just we're just going to be just bitch about this team every day until something big happens. Uh, but I was looking at just kind of, you know, me and lineup combinations. I love to try and (laughs) read the tea leaves and see what went well in other places. So Rudy Gobert in Utah, let's just start with last year because last year is, if you go back two years, you know, he was 28 years old. If If he's showing signs of physical erosion, I'd rather compare him to the most recent version of himself in Utah, and that would be last year. And his best lineup pairings, like Rudy plus so-and-so. And some of these are, it depends on like how much of a sample size you want to give credence to, but when he's on the court with Jordan Clarkson, classic combo guard who can score mm-hmm. at different levels, mm-hmm. he's, he's gotten gradually better throughout his career. Maybe he's like the, the D-Lo, maybe the d who distributes a little bit less, but combo guard who can score, you can run some pick and roll. He's very good. With Jordan Clarkson on the floor, very good. With Donovan Mitchell on the floor, very good. With six foot eight veteran Rudy Gay in yeah. Utah last yeah. year, in fact, uh, Rudy Gay was his best lineup pairing in Utah, in terms of just like two man combinations. Those guys on the court together, Gay and Gobert, were a plus eighteen per one hundred possessions. So he can play with a six foot eight guy who can play some power forward, some, some small forward. Um, he generally played well. On a fifty-win team with the combo guards Jordan Clarkson and uh, and Donovan Mitchell, even Swiss Army Knife, um, is it Royce O'Neal? Yep, like yep. he just like paired well. Like they just and there's a chemistry there. This year, what's interesting is it's actually more of a guard problem in the pairings with Rudy. His his two best pairings with the Timberwolves are Kyle Anderson and Carl Anthony Towns. He's either a break even or a positive, you know, net points per hundred possessions with Kyle Anderson and Carl Anthony Towns. It starts to go adrift when he's on the court longer with D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, and Jalen Noel. So his chemistry and there's other pieces involved. Like it, it's not a two man right. lineup combination game, but like he clearly had a better chemistry with the guards, the combo guards in Utah. So how much? How much do you give? It? Okay, well, maybe it just takes a year. I don't know. Well, it's been almost 40 games. Like at what, mm-hmm. point, at what point do you start to build some better chemistry between Anthony Edwards and Gobert and D'Angelo Russell and Gobert and Jalen Noel and Gobert? You know, but that, to me, it's, it's less about the, the Towns pairing specifically than it is uh, Rudy not being able to
1: find a rhythm with, with the, the Wolves' main guards. And then just from an eye test thing, too, again, I, I go back to that Miami Heat performance. Or just these games where it's like, okay, like that Thunder game that Rudy got kicked out of, right? We're down guys, you know, you're a $40 million, all defensive, all NBA center. Um, you just got to find ways to make an impact more, whether that be block shots, you know, he, and I'll go, like, he's giving you the rebounds at least, but like, how do you have eight points? How does Rudy Gobert play 30 plus minutes in any night now and not have 10 points? Like yeah. you, just your activity around the rim? these tip-ins, like, all these things. Um, yeah, some of that's on the guards getting him the ball. But it's also just at some point you have to stop making excuses for it. It's like you just got to, you know, you are w- the highest-paid player on this team. Like, you have to just find new ways. And he's done a little bit of crafty finishing. I've seen more Euro steps from Rudy this year than in his first eight years with the Jazz. But you just have to find more ways to elevate this. And he didn't do it on against the Pistons either. Uh, and it's just... I don't know. I Tell me something else. Give me another stat or give me another quote.
0: <laughs> I, th- those are the only stats I have for you. But I will say I, I did make a prediction on Mackie and Judd last week. I'm going to write that down. Oh, that yep. If if Finch is the fall guy, the next head coach of the Timberwolves will be the guy that did get it to work in Utah, which is Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder's out there and he's available as far as I know. So if they wanted to make a panic button move at some point, if they lose a couple more games and they feel like, Guys, we're, we're seven, eight, nine games below 500, and we're not trading Rudy Gobert. So someone and, yeah. needs to make it work. Quinn Snyder has at least made it work for 50 win seasons.
1: And then it comes into that whole, I think, was it math? I think it was like back in calculus, like order of operations. At some point, if this doesn't figure itself out, and long-term, I'm, I'm still, you know, the Wolves' share price is like Tesla's share price. Like, now would be a good time to buy some Tesla stock because it's $112. Now would be, I think, some time to buy Wolf stock because it has crashed from when they were playing in Memphis. But do you, I mean, I'll throw it to you, like, do you want to make Chris Finch the first move? Or do you want to say, okay, we signed all these guys to contract extensions. You know, I've always talked about who is tied to this franchise on July 1st, 2023. The, it's still Chris Finch, yeah. it's still Ant, still Jaden, still Carl, still Rudy, but it's not D'Lo. And I don't think all of this I is on D'Lo, this. but... He's not want, but he's not he's not like a helpful he his chemistry
0: with Gobert is zero. Right. His leadership on the team is minimal and his future with the team is almost non existent because right. of his contract. So, then, yes. I I would, want to I would the, shuffle that piece before mean, I would buy. Like, that's Christian.
1: probably the piece that has to go even if it's not, you know, and if you listen to this and you're a DLo fan like it might not be all his fault, but he is just the easiest main lever to switch. It's just let's get a rim attacking kind of solid 2B point guard, match him with Jordan McLaughlin if he ever has two legs again. And let's see if that works. Because I if you do the Chris Finch thing and I heard you talk about it like and you go to Quinn Snyder, you, you rarely ever see a situation where you get rid of a coach and then he comes back. Right. So if you end the Chris Finch thing and Chris Finch I think has had his worst year coaching this team mm-hmm. in his tenure, but there's also some noise in that whether it be injuries or Massive roster changes. Like I would rather pull the easy lever, the one that doesn't have much of a future here, or is the the I mean Chris Finch said it Saturday night when he was about as pissed off as I've ever heard him. He's gonna like start threatening people's playing time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't think that's just hollow words. I think that's him being like, F it. I might just Dude. play, d- I might just start ant at the point guard. I might just do it and forget politics. Cause like you said, at some point people are going to go from Nas Reed politely, cheerfully being like, we know what's wrong. We're going to keep it in house to people fighting for their reputations, fighting for their own jobs, fighting for their own selves. Uh, And that might be what Finch does. So I, I don't think Finch is the first lever you pull, but I I also can't just sit here and say that it's not a lever because he's, he's not doing a good job coaching. It's the easiest lever to pull. And uh, let's,
0: let's, all right, we could go another hour on this, but I, I I I will say that before the season, like last offseason, I said, if they're going to make a move on Delo, I would love, and I, and, and maybe the ship has sailed on. I mean, at this point, it has for this guy because he's with Boston now. But I, the idea of a Malcolm Brogdon type, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. who's, who's harder. He's a bigger guy, 6'5, 220. He's a harder nosed player. He's going to grab you more rebounds. Doesn't necessarily need to be the focal point of the offense. Um, I, That would probably, and again, like you can't trade for him at this point because he's a key contributing member of a team that might win the NBA championship at the end of the rainbow. But I would, I would look to pull a lever like that for sure to find a better piece that can complement Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert if D'Lo isn't.
1: I don't, I don't think Anthony Edwards ever takes this leap or becomes the player he is if Andrew Wiggins is here just because there's more miles to feed and, you know, there's a hierarchy of pay and stuff. So. You make the Wiggins trade, you clearly lose it. Um, he goes on to win a ring. There could be some of that with Delo. I mean, Delo offensively has still been really good this last month. He has tried a little harder on defense. I, I pointed out that whole rebounding thing, but you know, he's there's a chance that D'Angelo Russell goes on to his next team and thrives. Mm-hmm. But you're also at a point now, again, where you're forced to pull some lever at some point because the NBA, more than any sport, because you play every other night, like. It just doesn't allow you to do this much longer. Like the best thing that happened to the Timberwolves losing to the Pistons was that it was on New Year's and everyone was blacked out. No one really probably saw that box score. But if you go lose by 30 to the Nuggets and then someone goes, oh, let's look at their schedule. They lost seven in a row. They lost to the Pistons. They made Bogdanovich look like, you know, Steve Kerr out there. Um, It's going to be bad. But I will say, because I think we wrap this up. uh, The one thing I hold out for, and we can talk about this on Thursday more, Anthony Edwards turned 21 in August, and he's averaging career highs in points, steals, assists, rebounds, free throw attempts, three-point percentage, and field goal percentage. And EFG, too. Yeah. So it, it is terrible. You woke up today, and you feel hopeless, and you look at all the picks you don't have. I still would make an argument, and maybe we'll do this this month. There's a lot of teams out there that have a worse situation despite not having all these picks. Than Minnesota because they have ant and that should be if nothing else whenever Tim Connolly does reappear from the cave that sh- everything should revolve around that guy because you don't know what his ceiling is yet but you've seen his new floor and it's incredible and every move moving forward is not around Rudy Gobert every move moving forward is around how do we get the best players around that kid to see if we can revive something that used to be fun He was the funnest part of it during that little stretch and now has cratered. Oh,
0: Oh, Therapeutic.
1: Yeah, thanks. Therapeutic, dude. What a good Mm. way to
0: start the year. Happy New Year to you, (laughs) Timberwolves fans out there. Stay strong, everybody. And thanks for hanging out with us here again on Flagrant Howls. We are back at full strength, ready to take on whatever the Timberwolves throw us here in 2023. For Kyle, I'm Phil. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.